Zebra Salvation is why I am his friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus, my life for him. I'll spend, I'll be a friend to my life for him I spend. Church, let us make note pages 538. After our next uh, song ser- uh, selection, we'll have scripture reading and prayer. Pages 538. My hope is built on nothing less. <clears throat> All find that a scene together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. When darkness fell, his lovely face, and down unchanging gray in every high and stormy gale, my God. End of hell, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. His oh, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, on ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found. Yes, in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. 
scripture reading will be read from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Once again, that's Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And it reads as following. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed unto them babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whosoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God continue blessing the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Let us bow and go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven, Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and close in our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and in which you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the ones that are present, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial need. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed they purchased the church that we are member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline for earth glory. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling or will be traveling. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that's having difficulties this time. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will bless them with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the grieving family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort and strengthen those families in the way that only you know how. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's 
living in the disasters area, going through the disaster. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless them with the things you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would continue watching over them and keeping them safe. And Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We say a special prayer for this congregation here at Inglewood Church of Christ. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue blessing us with the thing you know we stand in need of according to your will. And we pray, Heavenly Father, we will continue loving each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, we will be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will continue watching over each and every one of us and have us to know the difference what's between what's good and what's it evil. And we just pray a special prayer for Brother Culpepper that he come delivered us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen, though what we'll listen toward eternity. Because these will be eternal matter, he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, we're also doers of your word. And the things we learn, Heavenly Father, that we'll be able to go and teach and tell others what they must do to be saved. And Heavenly Father, we pray that this witcher service will be done decent and in order. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey and said our last prayer and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in and get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Church, we want to ask you to place your markers at pages 904 for the Song of Invitation. Pages 904 for the Song of Invitation. And for our next song selection, let us know pages 882. Pages 882. No tears in heaven. Amen. If I'll find out a sing together. <clears throat> No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, sadness, all will be gladness when we shall join happy band. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their sorrow and pain will all have flow. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their, no tears in heaven will be known. 
glory is waiting, waiting, waiting up yonder uh, where we shall spend an endless day. There with thy Savior, Savior, there'll be forever where no more sorrow can dismay. And there'll be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of them. Sorrow and pain will all have flown, and there'll be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears of there, no tears in heaven will be known, and there'll be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears of there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown, and there'll be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be known. Some morning yonder, yonder, we'll cease to ponder or think this life was brought to view. All will be clearer, clearer, say one, be dear, in hell where all will be made new, and there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of them, sorrow and pain will all have flow, and there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of them, no tears in heaven will be known, and there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown, and there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. Be no tears. No tears, sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears in heaven's bed. No tears, no tears of death. No tears in heaven will be no there be no tears in heaven's bed. No tears, no tears of death. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears in heaven fed, no tears, no tears in heaven will be known. Let the church say amen again. Amen. There'll be no tears in heaven. I'm glad to know that there is a place that we can go where we don't have to worry about the sorrow, the pain, and the suffering of this life anymore. John had made it very clear in the book of Revelations, the book of the last things, the book of eschatology, that there will be no tears in heaven. He made it very clear that there is a tree that, uh, that bears all manner of fruit, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. And so I'm so thankful to God that there is a place that we can look forward to where that is called heaven, uh, that we can aspire to live Christian lives in such a way that God one day, as we stand before that judgment bar, will find us worthy to enter into heaven's glory. And John said in his uh, vision that he saw before God, he said he saw books. And the books were open. 
And one of them is the Book of Life. And the names uh, that are of those who were able to enter into heaven's glory, their names were written in the Book of Life. And I thank God that those of us who have obeyed the gospel uh, and are traversing the challenges of this life with the hope that one day as we uh, approach that uh, time of the end of our life where God will call the uh, children, the saints of God home to glory, that, 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 that we can stand, as Paul said, uh, in full confidence. Second Timothy 4, Paul would let us know that he had fought a good fight, that he had kept the faith and that he had finished the course. See, Paul had no question in his mind. He said, henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day, and not only unto me, but also unto all those who love his appearing. And so I, I like to have the position of Paul, a sense of confidence uh, that the life that we are living, especially when we know that we are structuring and shaping our lives according to God's word, uh, we ought to have a sense of confidence, a, a sense of uh, of understanding that, that, that God is going to deliver on his promises. And God says that I will give you a crown of righteousness uh, that fadeth not away. John would share with us in Revelations 2 and 10, he says, Be faithful unto death, and you receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. So there are no tears in heaven, amen, because we're looking forward to that wonderful life where we'll be with God forevermore. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. As we continue in our discussion concerning uh, those things uh, that are spiritual, uh, we've been uh, on this pathway of looking at ourselves as, as we unfold the significance of the temple. Uh, being in the temple of God, being, if you will, uh, in the presence of God in the temple, uh, we, we, we made it very clear that it is a it is, a, it is a spiritual relationship that one needs to, uh, to understand, that one needs to be very clear about uh, when, they, when we come into the temple of God. Now, now just for the sake of, 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 of um, remembrance and, 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 and quickly recapping, uh, remember we were in this discussion about carnal versus spiritual because we, we understood that, 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 that the, the spiritual mind, if you will, only comes from uh, the, the word of God being injected into that consciousness of man, that spiritual man, that inner man, uh, whereby that inner man, if you will, will understand that when he comes into the, the, the presence of God, that, 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 that spiritual wisdom, not, not, not just some physical act of showing up, but the spiritual wisdom of understanding why they are there and the significance of being in the presence of the Lord is very critical. Worship God, you know, be in spirit and in truth, amen. Uh, those struggles that we have out in the world, amen, we leave them at the door. And we come and we assemble in the temple of God. As, as they uh, had the covenant, when they when Noah and the eight and the other seven souls entered into the ark of the covenant, the, uh, into, the ark of the, uh, into the ark that God had designed, but the covenant was there. They had a covenant relationship with God. They just didn't, they just didn't walk all off into the ark. said that he made a covenant with Noah, thereby making that covenant with Noah, uh, he made a covenant with his family, and they entered into the ark, just as Moses and, if you will, Abraham and uh, the tent, the tabernacle that was carried about, amen, until they got to the land 
of promise. We, we, we know that by, uh, by night when God was in the pillar of fire and moved and they moved the tabernacle, each of the 12 tribes had a responsibility, three on each side. So this rectangular, rectangular uh, uh, structure uh, that was constructed by God gave them responsibility to move that tabernacle every time God moved. If he moved at night, it was based on the pillar of fire. If they moved during the day, it was based on God being in the cloud. So there, there was always this relationship where they had a spiritual understanding of why they would do what they do. Amen. It wasn't done in an ad hoc way. It wasn't done off the cuff. As a matter of fact, anytime you did things that were contrary to what God had already instructed, we talked about Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu going into the temple, and they were Aaron's sons, and they were Levi. They were required to if you will, perform worship services before the Lord. And when they went into the temple and they provided strange fire that he had commanded God, we know what the repercussions of those things were. Amen. And so we ought to understand that that, 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 that spiritual wisdom, that understanding is not, if you will, uh, lost in the antiquities of the Old Testament. Amen. You know, we don't get into the New Testament all of a sudden forget about everything God has done. Uh, Romans 15 and 4. Things are written for time or in for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. And so we still need to make sure that all that we do is based on our spiritual wisdom, that understanding that comes from God's word. We understand that this is what sanctifies us. This is what separates us. This is what sets us apart. This is what makes us holy before God. It is the spiritual understanding that the priests would have when they were, uh, if you will, uh, in the Exodus text, when, when they were to come and to go into the holies of holies, they had to strip off the old raiment, that raiment which represented the world, and they had to cleanse themselves with the purifying of the water. They had to put on the, uh, the priestly raiment, the spiritual raiment that God would have commanded for them to wear when they went into the place of holies of holies. And we ought not to forget that God is a spiritual God. Amen. He's a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And so we need to understand truth is about that spiritual wisdom. Having the understanding of God's word whereby we can do those things that God has commanded uh, uh, to be done. And then we, we continue to understand that even in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 17, we had talked about uh, 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 last Lord's Day how the church at Ephesus in Paul's uh, recounting of the significance of their relationship with God, he prayed that they would, they would have the spirit of wisdom. Amen. That they would, they would acquire that spirit of wisdom. And once again, understand something. This is something that must come from one's dedication and commitment to God's word. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17, be full of the word. Be rich with it. Overflowing with God's word. To come into what? An understanding of what it is that God desires of you. Now, we've been talking about this in the context of worship. But understand something. That when we, when we leave here as, a, uh, uh, as Christians, amen, worship has a beginning point. It has an end point. But devotion is forever. I should say that again. Worship has a starting time, it has an end time. But devotion to God is forever. Uh, when, you, when you become a child of God, amen, you, God says pray without ceasing. Amen. You can, you can do that without being in worship. You can pray in, without ceasing because you're in devotion to God. Amen. Worship has certain spiritual aspects that must come together in order for it to be called worship. Amen. I don't have time to deal with all that this morning, but, but, but an individual 
as that person walks in the life of Christianity, is in continual and perpetual devotion to God. Amen. Pray without ceasing. We don't have to just wait till Sunday to pray. Amen. Amen. You, you can pray every day, every moment of the day. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all, some of us, we can pray more often than we ought to. Amen. Sometimes we pray because we praying for somebody. Now, I said pray for, not on. Because some of y'all are still in that carnal mind where y'all pray on people. Amen. We, don't, we pray for them. reading of the scripture and teaching of his word. These are things that happen on a continual basis. You don't have to wait till the Lord's day to read God's word. Amen. Amen. You don't don't have to wait for that time. Teaching of God's word can take place anytime. Somebody may say, you know what, I want to know more about God's word. Can you help me? Amen. Well, we got to wait till Sunday. No. Open up up your Bible app. Amen. Amen. Where you go. And see what you can do to help them with whatever, whatever it is that they're dealing with. Amen. These are the things that God has blessed us to be able to do. Now, communion, and, and uh, if you will, is for the Lord's day. That, that, that's in Washington. Amen. 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 Don't have time to deal with all that. But, but, but we talk about having the spirit of wisdom. Amen. We, we, we have it now where the world has, uh, uh, con- uh, has uh, 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 excluded humanity from their natural relationship. sessions for us, moans and groans that we cannot utter. It is important that God, if you will, understand that we have these needs, and so the Spirit searches the mind of our spirit, and who knows more than the mind of the Spirit than God? The Spirit maketh intercessions for us with those moans and groans, the way that they ought to be presented before. The Bible says we are not how to pray or know how to pray. But the Spirit takes our carnal and weaknesses and it, uh, the Spirit takes them and makes them, if you will, in a way that God receives them through the, the concept of the moaning and groaning, that groaning that goes before God. Amen. He maketh intercession. And then what did he say? We have the we have the Sunanti Lombatama. We have the help that comes from God. 
He helps us with our challenges of life, our labors of life. You know, because we're able to go to him and pray. Amen. Amen. You see, that spiritual wisdom should free you from a lot of stuff that the world has caused you to think is not accessible to you. God says, I'm nigh you, even in your mouth, in your hearts. But we can come before God and we can ask what, uh, uh, what it is uh, that we need. And, 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 when, and when, we, when, we, when we go to God, we go to God, if you will, in that, in that spiritual sense, in that spiritual realm. to have the the, uh, the, the, the the digital meditation, you know, and, and, and you know, we, we want to have something in our ear and, 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 and that, that somehow settles you and, 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 and balances you. And I, and I understand, you know, we're all growing. We're all growing. Yeah. But let me just share this with you. When you have a real spiritual relationship you don't need any artificial intervention Amen. to get to the Lord. Amen. You don't need no artificial intervention. As a matter of fact, if it takes you to listen to waves of water and wind and, and all that calms you down so that you can meditate, let me tell you something. It's all right, but you notice something. You're still working on it. Right? You're still working on it because you need an artificial intervention. But when you get to when you when you get to the point where you and all of us are in different places in our lives with the Lord, that's why the Bible says it's a newborn babe. Everybody's at a different place. Amen. Not everybody starts walking at the same time. Not everybody starts pulling up at the same time. Amen. It's a it's a it's a process. But you get to the point when you are spiritual, as we talked about last Lord's Day, Galatians chapter six and one. Brethren, be overtaken in the fault ye which are spiritual. In other words, we understand that spiritual is something that can be achieved. It's not something that's away from you. It's something that is before you, that you can achieve, where you can become spiritual. Let me come back. And so you have that artificial intervention. That's fine. You know, right now you're still trying to get your bearings. But let me tell you something. When you have a, a when you're at that point where you have a spiritual relationship with God and you can just go to God in prayer and in meditation, you don't need anything in between you and God. To get there. You follow what I'm saying? You don't need anything in between you and God to get there. And as a matter of fact, let me tell you something. Quietness is probably the best thing. Amen. Amen. You don't need no noise. You don't need any interventions. You, you, it's just you and the Lord. That's what happens when you go into the temple. And you're in the holies of holies. It's just you. Just you and the Lord, and you just sitting there in your quiet place, in your quiet 
say something. Reflection at the end of the night. I, I, you know, I, we, some of us who came up with parents who, uh, even if they were of some other you know, belief system that they had to grow from, but we used to have, uh, 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 parents used to have this practice where they say, you know, before you go to bed tonight, pray. Amen. We used to have that, you know, make sure you pray before you go to sleep. You know, we, we used to have those kind of, those are not bad practices. Amen. Uh, Deuteronomy said, talk about it when they're walking away. Talk about it when they lie down at night. Amen. tell you something, when a child knows that there's something greater than you that they can't see, and a child grows to know that there are things that are greater than you that they cannot see, that child then begins to have a better appreciation of what life is about. Because if you become the obstacle, they can take you out. <laughs> but if they know that there's a God, that can see them beyond your line of sight. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. When they get out there in the world and they're trying to find their way and navigate the courses of sin and treacherous life, you can't see them. You can't be with them. You can't be there to guide and to direct them where they're in that moment. But you know who can be? God is there. Train up the child when it is young. When it becomes old, it won't depart from it. What is the meaning of that text? It doesn't mean that they won't fall. But if you give them the foundation, if you give them the spiritual wisdom, if you give them that which they need to help them grow, and when they're in that moment of challenge and treachery, it is your blessing of hope that they will reflect on what they have learned concerning God. We all can grow into the spiritual wisdom of God. And, and so we, we, we talked about the spiritual wisdom. We made sure that we understood that God said, be filled, full of the wisdom, amen. And then, and then we, we started getting into the concept of the spiritual and the carnal mind. We, we, we know that there is an existence in God of the mortal man and the immortal God. We know. We know. Paul made it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1. Brethren, I, you know, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual because you're still carnal. In other words, even though they were members of the church, he's writing to the church of Corinth. You do realize that he's writing to the church. Amen. And he's saying to the church that you're still carnal. Lord, have mercy. He's saying to the church that you're still carnal. In other words, baptism doesn't change your carnality. It's a beginning of change. It's a beginning of process. Becoming a member of the body of Christ is not the, it's, it's not all of a sudden that your, that your spiritual mind just blossoms and strengthens to the point where all the things of your physical and material and flesh and life that is of sin will change. That's not how that works. The spirit needs that injection of God's word. Needs those antibodies. Amen. That helps the the, 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 the spiritual mind that has been subjected to the sins of the world and overcome by the, 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 
intuition and the instinct of the flesh of the natural man that has been dominating it for all of this time. And now it comes into the understanding of God's word. That spirit obeys the gospel, but it is the continual injection of God's word that gives us that spiritual mind. Thus the analogy of the heart transplant. We use that. We talked about that. Where the heart that goes into a foreign body still needs something to help that foreign body begin to accept it as opposed to reject it. When the word of God comes into the life of a person, that carnal mind is not going to just be receptive to that. That carnal mind that helps that carnal mind becomes spiritual. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 11. So Matthew, the gospel, he talks about this wonderful word. He talks about rest. Oh, I tell you. When, 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 when God brings in this, this, this preaching from Jesus, and he says, come unto me. Come unto me. Now, Paul says in the Thessalonian text that we're called by the gospel. That's what we're called by, the gospel. Romans 1 and 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. We're called by the gospel. Matthew chapter 16, the Bible makes it very clear that uh, when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, the ecclesia, the very idea of the church comes from the Greek word that means called out. Matter of fact, it means to call out one. So the very idea of the church itself is about being called out. When Jesus says, come unto me, he is calling you out. Amen. And it's just not being called out. It's also a recognition. The question is a recognition of what? When God calls us out, it is a recognition. It is an observance. That you are in something that you don't have to be in. Lord have mercy. Are you with me? He says, come unto me, which means that you're not unto him. It means that you're somewhere else. But being in that somewhere else is also a recognition that you don't have to stay there. But that you can come out of that somewhere else. Are y'all with me? So the gospel calls to you. Look, there's no sense in calling somebody out if where they are is okay for them to be. God calls to us through the word of God, through the wisdom of his word, through that spiritual wisdom. God calls to us. And he says, he says, come unto me. And let me tell you something. The fact that he calls to us and says, come unto me, is not only a recognition that you're somewhere where you should not be. It's a recognition that 
to us. And he says, he says, come unto me. Because where you are is not a good place to be. You need to get out of this place. There's danger in the street. You are in a place and you don't realize the danger that you are in. So God, if you will, in his wisdom, he has given us the construct of the spiritual, the, 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 the covenant of God, the, the, the spiritual construct of the church. Because not only is he calling you out of the street, he's calling you into something that is safe. Amen. Are y'all with me? The state of humanity is not something that's unfamiliar to the world. God knew the state of humanity before he created humanity. Amen. Before he said, let us, God already knew our state and our condition. Amen. In Ephesians 1 and Galatians we find in both of those texts where Paul writes to the church and he makes it very clear that, that, that we were, those who were called out, were predestinated to be all in one in Christ Jesus. So he already knew where we needed to be, amen. But at the same time, he said before the foundation of the world, God had already predestinated before the foundation of the world. Before the world was, God already had a plan to save man from his state. Come unto me, he says. You are in a position, in a state that you should not be in. You are putting yourself in a position, in a state that is dangerous, and, and, I'm, and I'm calling to you, and I'm saying to you, come out of the street. There's danger. Death is in the street. Come out of the street of sin. Because death is in the street. And Romans chapter 6 says, when you, if you die in sin, where he is, you cannot come. Where he is, you cannot come. And so he's calling to us. He's looking at the state of humanity. Even before the foundation of the world, he already had in his, in his, in his, in his wisdom, he already had it planned that I'm going to save man, and I'm going to save man through these spiritual constructs. The temple is a spiritual construct that God puts in place. It becomes a stable, permanent, In Jerusalem, that they make pilgrimage to in order for them to be with God. At least that is the construct of that temple back in that then known time when, when David and, and, and through Solomon actually built the temple. That was the whole thing. They would come unto them. They would the 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 the, the, the worship would be there in Jerusalem. That's why when the when the when the children of Israel divided, you find you you, you find uh, uh, the 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 uh, 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 Rehoboam and Jeroboam splitting the kingdom under Solomon and David. The kingdom was was together. 
not any longer want to follow after what God had put forward. And so there became this, this desire to be like the world and, and follow after the constructs and the things of the world. And when they did that, God, if you will, allowed them to go into captivity. But before he, they even went to captivity, they had already built two different places in Bethel and Dan. And they left Jerusalem. No longer did they want what God had put in place. They wanted to create their own construct where they felt comfortable. Right? Where they could go and do the rock away. You know, as opposed to being where God wanted them to be. And so we come back to the call. And the prophets, when they did such a thing, the prophets said, what? Is it, is it too hard for you to go to Jerusalem? Why is it so hard to go to Jerusalem? Isn't that where God is? Isn't that where he placed his name? Yeah. Right? When God says, come unto me, he's not only saying, look, you need to recognize that you are in a position and a state that you ought not to be in. And look, you don't have to be there, but so for some reason, you have put yourself in a position of danger. So I'm going to call out to you. I'm going to say, come out of those streets. But I'm not just going to say, come out of the streets. I'm telling you, come out of that place and come into this one. Because in this place is where God is. And God is able to save our soul. But you stay on the street, your soul is in jeopardy. In jeopardy to be lost. Are you with me? And so this is the challenge that we, we when we talk about being spiritual, being spiritual is just not some phrase. over time because we are we are evolving and developing that spiritual mind and we can only do it as Ephesians 1 and 17 says through Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus he says that you receive that spiritual wisdom so just baptism is not the ending point it's the beginning point of one de uh, developing that spiritual that spiritual mind and, and so let me move and so 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 the humanity then, if you will, 
has with it in, in, in Matthew, he recognizes that people can become so bogged down, heavy laden, burdened. Lord have mercy. See, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. See, some of the young people ain't there yet. But when you get 56, you know what it means to be burdened and heavy laden. bogged down and you're struggling with stuff. You struggling with stuff that you didn't even cause, but you got to struggle to get it hit in places. Lord have mercy. You struggling with stuff. And, and look, and look, not only is it a heavy weight, now understand something here. If you have a conscience that is carnal, stay with me now. Don't get up and run out. It's going to be all right. We're in God's hospital. We're getting some injection to help our carnal man receive God's spiritual wrath. You know, don't, 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 don't get up and run out. This is good stuff. Amen. Amen. When, when, when the carnal man is wrestling and toiling and burdened with God's word and with life, confusion sets in. Because that individual is, is, is struggling, right? The struggle wants you to reject God's word. And God's word saying, don't reject my word because my word is exactly what you need to deal with the struggle. But there's this war going on, as Paul says. There's this war in my mind that's challenging me, Romans chapter 7. It's, it, 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 it's all... It, it, it's discombobulated. It, 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 it's causing me to have a, an opaqueness about clarity. I, 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 I'm struggling with life. And let me tell you something. When you're struggling with life and the challenges and the burdens uh, that you're struggling with, it, let me tell you something. The idea of this in the Greek when it comes to Hebrew, Matthew rather, 11 and 28, when he's talking about if you're heavy laden and you're heavy and, 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 and labor and they're heavy laden, he's dealing with the issue of your state. It's a state of weariness. Not only is it a state of weariness, it's a perpetual state of weariness. You always tired. I'm going to back up. I think y'all missed that one. I'm at three. You always tired. Because it's the state that you're in. Some of them, we use this phrase, I am sick and tired. Right? <laughs> Just stay with it. Don't run out. Don't be all right. I'm sick and tired. Right? And when you sit there for a moment, you say, okay, well, you know, you don't have no physical disease. You don't have, you know, there's no, you don't have the flu. You don't have, you know, uh, chicken pox. Sick and tired is not literal. 
spiritually. And here's the danger. Here's the danger. When you are sick and tired spiritually, that's when the devil can get a hold of you. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The devil's waiting for you to be sick and tired spiritually. Y'all with me? So when Jesus says to us, come unto me all of ye who are heavy laden, he recognizes something. For those who are not members of the body, I'm going to put a pin in that and put that on the wall for a second. We'll come back to that, God bless us. But for those of us who have yet to obey the gospel, when the gospel calls to you, Understand something, that it is God who recognizes that your spirit is undernourished and it cannot address the carnal man in the state that it is in because it doesn't have the strength. And so God calls to you, come unto me. For what purpose? Because your spiritual man needs some strength. And it cannot supersede the carnal man because it doesn't have what it needs to overcome it. It's heavy laden. Bogged down. And then there's this word, toil. In other words, it just keeps going around and around in the same circle, hoping that something's going to change. And God says, stop it! Stop going around and around in circles. Come out. <laughs> and come unto me. All right, I hear you saying, Brother Cope, if I give us a spiritual example, I got to think. Remember in Joshua? <laughs> Moses and Scripture for this, right? I They're going around and around and around. Going north. Around and around. And God calls you, Joshua. Joshua, come on, come on. Why y'all keep walking around in circles? I don't know, Lord, which way to go. 
Torah. When God has already spoken, it doesn't matter which generation is at bat or Peter was saying different words, but and John also in many other words, but but when you it's like the the the, the, the pig going back to the mine, going back to the mud, right? Clean them up and make them smell good and let them loose, and the first thing you find is that he's in the mud. I'm gonna say something here. Don't y'all get up and run out of here. I'm gonna start hopeless. Find yourself running right back to that 
So, so you go back out to where you were felt comfortable. And where did we feel comfortable? We felt comfortable in the world. Oh, don't look at me like that, because we were all there. Amen. Amen. I'm not just not talking about myself. We were all there. Amen. Yeah, running around in the world. I know that because even, even those in Ephesians were there. Because Ephesians chapter 2 says that they were children of disobedience, walking after the principalities and powers of the air. So they were there, too. Amen. So we were all left in the same boat. Following after the things of the world. And you know what? We felt comfortable. It was like a warm blanket. But God says, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And so he calls, come out from among them. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, says the Lord, and I shall be your God, and you shall be my people, you shall be my children. I will be your father. Come out from among them. And he said, and, and so we're heavy laden and we're burdened down and, and we're toiling. Why won't you answer? Because guess what? I'm not going to grab you by the hand and drag you out of your sin. You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to come. I'm calling. I'm over here. I'm calling to you. But if you're more comfortable in your sin than you are being saved, isn't it interesting how both of those words begin with an S? If you're more comfortable in your sin as opposed to being saved, amen. God's not going to force you to be saved. And that's why he tells you, if you die in your sin, not that you have to die in your sin. He said, if you die in your sin, if that's the choice that you make, where I am, you cannot be. Toiling, heavy laden, the state of weariness where the challenges of life are so heavy. Look what God says he does. God says, I'm calling you, I'm calling you to come unto me, but I'm not calling you to come unto me just because I just feel like speaking. But because there's an end to this, there's a purpose to this, there's a purpose, and the purpose is that your soul might be saved. So I'm calling unto you, and I'm telling you,
God says to us, come unto me. He says, come unto me. And then, and then he says, he says, and lay it down. Lay it at my feet. Lay it down. Take it off. Right? That's what God says. When he says, come unto me and lay it down and take it off. Look what it correlates with. When you look at your Hebrew text. And you look at Hebrews. Uh, Uh, chapter 12. Look what he says. In Hebrews 12 and verse number 1. Wherefore, if you have your Bible this morning, say amen. amen. All right. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, Lord have mercy, lay aside what? Every weight and, Lord have mercy, the conjunction. Lay aside every weight and sin. I'm going to stop here because there's something. Lay aside every, that are heavy laden, burdened down, toiling about. God says lay aside every weight and sin which does so what? Easily beset us and let us run. Woo! Let us run. When the gospel calls, we shouldn't be lollygagging. You need to run to the Lord. Run to the Lord. Wait a minute. already fully matured and it's just sin. Are you with me? So God sees us in our state of humanity and he says, those of you who think you have not yet sinned, you still have the seeds that are growing plants that will eventually become fully matured and be sin. So when you come to me, drop that stuff off. 
the wisdom of man can become sinful. Knowledge of it can be a weight. I know that because Solomon said, with much learning comes much misery. But if you start following after the wisdom of man and rejecting the wisdom of God, you have now sin. Let God be true. associated with the devil, I guarantee you it's sinful. Are y'all with me? So the wisdom of man can become sin. When the wisdom of man causes you to reject God. That's why spiritual wisdom is there. To get you to understand the difference. Hebrews chapter 5 latter 2 verses, you can read that. Alright, so Hebrews 12. And so he says, look, wherefore seen also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in sin which so easily be which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before you. Before you. In other words, your future in terms of salvation. God is not saying this is optional. Right? I was in a gospel meeting in Pepperdine and, 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 and I was, they asked me there to teach a Bible class, a Bible lecture. And, and, and I was there and I was in class and we had all the preachers there, and old, young, middle-aged, all these preachers. And I was talking about the commandments in the New Testament and, and I had the whole, you know, my whole chart up and, you know, talk about the Lent commands and, 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 and uh, I mean, uh, the, the commandments of God. And then, and, then, and then one of the young preachers stood up and said, uh, 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 Brother Colbert, there are no commandments in the New Testament. And I said, for you to hold on to it and still be saved. You follow what I'm saying? When he says, let us lay aside, he's telling you, take it off. It's a command. In Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you. You don't have to have the mind of Christ. You can still have the devil's mind and be saved. You follow what I'm saying? This is about spiritual wisdom. 
Not about how you look at your English grammar and try to figure out what form of a word in grammatical form let me. When you go to the word of God, context is key. Let is not a request. It's a command. And it says, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a man, the form of a servant. You call him Savior. He wants you to change your mind. So when he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin, he's telling you, take this stuff off of you, because if you keep holding on to it, it will become sin. Right? So when he says, come unto me, Jesus calls and says, come unto me. He says, look, I recognize, here I am, I'm all, I'm all, I got one more, I got one more point, I got one more, one more bullet point, I'll be done in a minute. When he says, come unto me, God has already recognized what you need to take off. Right? What you need to take off. And some of us say, well, Brother Kobe, you know, I need an example. I need an example of that. I, 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 need, I need to understand that. And we've been giving you these scriptures over and over again. And I put them in different contexts and different, in different, uh, uh, I put them in different sermons in the same context to give you a broader understanding. I keep it in your remembrance. When James writes about wisdom, remember the first chapter in James? He that lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who upbraideth not, but giveth to all liberally. That's what James said. He gets to the second chapter. And what does he start talking about? Right? Look into the perfect law of liberty. See what manner of man that you are. For me, that is a doer. This man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, when he says, lay aside every weight and sin, what is that man? What is his action? He's doing something. He's looking into God's word. He's looking into spiritual wisdom. That carnal mind is struggling with him with the spiritual side. And the spiritual side, look, the you know what? I, I, I look, look, look. I know what it is. I'm just too heavy. I got the spiritual. I got too much weight on me. I got. I got to get this weight off. I, I mean, look, 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 look. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna start working out. And I'm gonna start running some laps. I'm gonna get myself trimmed and slim. And when I get myself trimmed and slim and strong, I'm gonna body slam that carnal man, so that I can do what? Be free. I know that that sounds very animated, but. I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. That while I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul says, my spiritual man has become strong enough where I can overcome and overpower the carnal man. But it takes that spiritual man to get strong. In order for that spiritual man to get strong, here we know, here's where I close. That spiritual man needs rest. spiritual man needs rest. The medicinal idea of rest is very interesting. Because there's actually three levels of rest. Some of us, when we lay down and go to sleep, we take the rest. And guess what? We're not. Sleep and rest. Sleep in Christ Jesus means over and over and over. 
when you when when you're in that state of of, of, of sleeping with the rapid eye movement issue, they say that that is it from a physical standpoint that is the deepest part of sleep that you can get to when you're real sleep. Because in real sleep, you know, uh, there's a in each one of the stages of sleep, which is the the, the, the first stage is is, is is in REM, which is non-rapid eye movement, which means you just drifted off for a moment, and, and, and so you're you're really not sleeping. You're still
know, you're, you're getting the rest because it is God, it is Christ who has said, come unto me. Bring all your burdens. Bring your head and laden. Stop toiling. I will give you rest. And the rest that I'm giving you is for your soul. Give me your head. So when one says, but I am spiritual, I'm going to ask you this question, and now you know the meaning of it. Are you resting at night? Do you hear what I'm saying? Here it comes, right? Because if I'm doing wickedness before all day long, whoa! Don't run out, don't run out, see it! If I'm doing wickedness before all day long, I'm going to do. I'm going to with some rest. In other words, I'm going to go be with the Lord. Amen. And as long as I'm with the Lord and, and resting, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. That means I can get up the next morning. And see, many of y'all probably missed Hebrews chapter 12, so I got to come back and give it to you again. Notice what he says. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And immediately a lot of y'all thought that you were on the track. Out there with your physical body. Running down the track. That run there ain't about your physical body. That run there is about your soul. Your soul is running this race. Amen. This Christian race. And it's trying to make it to the end. And that's why Paul says, will you run? Run all. Not like one who beat the air. Amen. But one who runs with an understanding that there's a wreath at the end. That there's a crown of righteousness. That fade not away. You run all to win this race. You run with discipline. Focus. Christian energy. When you are resting at night and you 
your soul. It's your soul. If you depend on the body, you've already lost the race. But if your soul is in control, if your spiritual life with God is in control, then it can raise up this body. And not only can it raise up this body, but when the soul is in control and God has blessed you, if you will, to have that spiritual infusion of his wisdom where that soul now picks up that body each morning like it did this morning and brought you to this building. Your body can bring your soul. Your soul brought your body to worship. So when you get up on Monday morning, let me tell you something. If you're still treating people wickedly, that means you just slept. But you didn't get any rest. We need to start getting some rest. And when you get that rest, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me, let me, I'm done right here. When you get that rest that is with the Lord, it doesn't matter what the world thinks. You know what you do? You stand! Put your feet firmly on the ground. Put on your whole armor of God. That soul is now fortified. Rejuvenated spiritually. Where it can now ward off the fiery arts of the devil. You stand with your shoulders straight. And you run this Christian. The devil going to shoot at you anyway. But why not be fortified with your shield of faith, your helmet of salvation, your feet shod of righteousness? Put on that whole arm so that you can win the spiritual battle that is out there. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle with, with, with spiritual wickedness in high places. When you know where the battle is, when you know where the fight is, that means that I'm not going to be the cause of my own demise. I'm going to get my spiritual heart together with the word of God. And when I lay down at night, when, this, when, I, when, when, when my soul takes this body and lays it down, I want my soul to be rested. I want it to be rested. And I'm done right here. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be saved. Amen. So he makes sure that one day with God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. But he's wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. So Acts 17 and 30, he commandeth every man, every man to repent. Amen. And then we confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, we, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, we confess God. 
Matthew 10 and 32, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him shall I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Going down in the water into his baptism, letting the blood of Christ cleanse you from all of your past sins. Why? So that you can rise and walk in the newness of life. And not only walk in the newness of life, but when you get your spiritual legs under you, you can learn how to run and run with patience toward Jesus Christ. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing invitation song? Why don't you come? 904. 904. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? You washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you fully trusting in his grace? Is all you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul? Cleansing blood of the land, of the land. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the land? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the land? Do you rest? Moment in the crucified fire, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? This may be the last time. This may be the last time. This may be the last time. It may be the last time. I don't know. May never pray again. We may never pray again. We may never pray again. May never pray again. I don't know. This may be the last time. This may be the last time. This may be the last time. It may be the last time. I don't know. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Father, 